Welcome to Feminist Question Time, brought to you by Women's Declaration International, the leading global organisation defending women's sex-based rights against the threats posed by gender identity ideology. There's more information on our website, womensdeclaration.com, where you'll find our Declaration on Women's Sex-Based Rights, which has been signed by 37,216 people from 160 countries and is supported by eight, 518 organisations. We've had many, we have many volunteer activists, including country contacts from every continent engaged in defending women's rights. Do join us. You can also become a member or you can donate or volunteer or all of those things. Okay, so we're going to now move to Anig Birdie. So Anik Birdie is from Ireland. She's a 25-year-old lesbian and rad femme activist working in the legal sector and she's the co-founder of Not All Gays and the title of Anik's talk is The Grip of TQ Plus Organisations on Irish Society. So thank you so much for coming Anik and over to you. Okay, so we're going to now move to our next speaker who is Anik Birdie and I'm going to get her up um, on screen. So Anik Birdie is from Ireland. She's a 25-year-old lesbian and rad femme activist working in the legal sector and she's the co-founder of Not All Gays and the title of Anik's talk is The Grip of TQ Plus Organisations on Irish Society. So thank you so much for coming Anik and over to you. I'm one of nine co-founders of Not All Gays which kind of was sparked um just through discussions with myself and the eight other members, there's four gay men, three lesbians and two bisexual women. And we all have concerns about how our government is using LGBTQ to push through things like self-ID, which successfully passed in 2015. Um, seek kind of pushed in behind uh, marriage equality and then the hate crime legislation that they are trying to bring into Ireland um, which has no definition of the word hatred um, and obviously uh, as a radical feminist and a lesbian I have deep concerns about the lack of that because it's up to interpretation then and it's hate speech the legislation is so dangerous um it it will criminalize us saying that we want single sex spaces and will criminalize lgbs um for saying that they are same sex attracted rather than same gender attracted because we know that's not a real thing um and because it's up to interpretation the an individual's interpretation of what hatred is and what is deemed hateful and as a lesbian who does not believe in gender ideology. I have been called hateful as many other women have um, for saying that lesbians are same sex attracted. And so the concern would be then that LGBs would not be able to, to say that they are same sex attracted and because someone might find that offensive or hateful. And so that's why we set up the group. Um, and also four of the nine members attended one of the biggest, they call themselves LGBTQ, but it is just a TQ group, um, belong to, and they are consulted um, 
pretty much at every turn within government decision making, they were one of the the groups, the NGOs consulted for the hate crime legislation, also the self-ID legislation, and which has, as many people know, led to male males who identify as trans ending up in women's prisons. So it's all done under the guise of gay rights and but not the the type our group name is that not all gays agree with any of this or the use of gay rights and LGB people to push through dangerous legislation that impacts single sex spaces, sex based rights and the rights of rights and protections of LGB people. Um, so four of the nine of us attended belong to youth groups. I have done a presentation previously on the um, cult tactics used by belong to within their groups. They have a huge impact on our schools. They have recently been awarded um, between 20,000 and 100,000 euro from the Department of Children for the expansion of their LGBTQ quality mark in schools where um, 57 schools across the country have already signed up accounting for it. Three, uh, 3,300 staff and almost 35,000 students. That's post-primary schools. Um, essentially, the schools have to pay 845 euro for an 18-month subscription to say that they are LGBTQ friendly, that um, they have to have pronoun signs up, and they're also taught not to tell parents if a child has self-identified as trans or non-binary, they belong to will go into schools and essentially educate the teachers on how to hide such information from parents, which we, we as a group do not agree with. That is a huge child safeguarding issue, lying to parents and parents not having any knowledge of what their children are going through in terms of identity is extremely dangerous and it's all being done and promoted by our government um, and supported and heavily funded in the guise of inclusivity of LGBTQ and that but it's the the TQ lobbyists in belong to that are pushing this mostly. Um, in our time in belong to the four of us, we kind of attended the youth groups at various stages over maybe a decade or so. Our eldest member, he attended when gender ideology wasn't really discussed. It was just in the early stages of belong to youth groups and it was mostly gay, young, young gay boys and young adults. Um, and a, a few lesbians would attend, but it was mostly gay boys. The child safeguarding issues at that point were inappropriate interactions um, without getting, you know, sued or anything. I won't go into the details, um, but there was inappropriate interactions between the youth workers and the teenagers. Then when I was attending in 2015, 2016, 2017, over this, um, um, it was, um, attendees were, they're, they're all, it's a mixed sex group and it's 
between the ages of 14 to 23, which is a safeguarding issue that simply wouldn't happen in any other youth group um, if it wasn't got to do with gay, gay and trans kids. Um, you wouldn't have 23, 24 year olds mixing with 14 year olds. Why would why would a 23 year old want to spend a Sunday afternoon talking about gender and sexuality with a 14 year old? Um, but there was there was um, several issues within that that I noticed when I was attending. Firstly, there was no discussions of lesbians. If there was, it was trans identified males um, saying that they were lesbian and Obviously, I don't agree with that. And that was why I stopped attending, because even when I was uh, on the other side of this discussion and very much did believe all of this as a, as a teenager, I was about 17, um, I knew that lesbians did not have sexual or romantic relationships with biological males, regardless of how they identify. Um, two of our members did actually believe that they were non-binary at the time when they were attending belong to simply because it was promoted in belong to that if you were in any way gender non-conforming that you simply couldn't be just a, a camp a camp gay boy or just gender non-conforming lesbian or in fact just gender non-conforming at all without being not a girl or not a boy so they, that that was kind of just promoted and belonged to, and they they get two they got two million almost two million last year in annual income, with almost half a million coming from the Department of Children, Department of Education, and Department of Rural and Community Development. They are when we were attending the groups, they would bring in certain politicians who also dealt as youth group workers um they they would tell us to vote for them that they or get our parents to vote for them if we were under the age of 18 and not yet of voting age they would come in kind of gain our trust as youth workers and then would promote their political party around election times to try and get us to you know ask our parents because they were the party that were going to protect us and promote our rights as as gay gay or trans identified young people um again that's quite concerning that adults would come in and tell vulnerable teenagers to vote for them um after gaining our trust but the then belong to and the National Women's Council of Ireland and Trans Equality Network Ireland um, all signed, I'm not sure if people on, on this call are aware, there was a declaration to silence and not give platform, political platform or political voice to women who were not towing the line of gender ideology. So any of the group, the women's groups here who stand for sex-based rights and women and girls they were signed off because the and the national women's council signed off on it because now on their board they have a trans identified male on their board he was also the chair of tenny the trans equality network ireland which is another heavily funded 
um, NGO, TQ, NGO that um, are heavily linked with Belong To. Belong To does does donate to Tenny and vice versa. And they are brought in for policymaking uh, consults within the government about education, curriculum, health, health policies um, during the monkeypox outbreak when they were discussing the, the rollout of vaccinations, who would take priority, they they brought in someone from Tenney's board, uh, a trans-identified female who has no medical qualifications, um, So, but she is the health advisor for Tenney and they brought her in and then they they went with the HSE's advice and, you know, people who are experts in viruses and they they took their advice and then Tenny was very upset that their advice was not taken and not taken on board about this rollout. They they have just a hold on across the board, education, health, um, and then the, the youth groups obviously are a huge issue. When we were attending in 2015, 2016, um, they were pushing for self-ID and they continue to lobby for reducing the age to under 16s, uh, which that's crazy in in our opinion as not all gays. Um, just one second, I'm just going to pull this up. So when I was an attendee, they, the majority of, of the people that were, the young people that were attending were dealing with eating disorders, very obvious eating disorders, or self-harm or a combination of both. They would attend belong to for a short while, gender non-conforming at the age where you're trying to figure out your sexuality. And after a few sessions attending the youth group, then the, these young people who were very vulnerable and not receiving mental health interventions were identifying out of their sex. Um, predominantly the young lesbian or bisexual girls um they because they were gender non-conforming you know uncomfortable puberty is a, a rough time for most teenage girls try you know the changes in your body and there was a, a huge amount of uh autism spectrum as well within those those groups that were identifying out of their sex um, and that was kind of, it wasn't ever really an option in Belong To that, you know, it might just be that you're uncomfortable. There was no, there was no other option. It was just immediate affirmation. Promotion of binders um, was a huge issue as well. Telling these girls with eating disorders and self-harming um, how to hide binders from parents and how to saying get it delivered to your friend's house um wash it in the sink so it's not seen in your laundry if your parents do your laundry for you and this narrative within belong to that they they are the only safe space that they sorry now i've lost my train of thought um that the the outside world, including your family and friends, were, you know, against you, that 
potentially might disagree with you, not believe you, you know, not believe your identity and but that belong to is this safe space for you that which is entirely unreasonable considering Ireland is very welcoming. We were the first entire country to gain marriage equality by a landslide vote. No one really no one really cares if you're gay. Um it's not anyone else's business. Everyone's just, you know, there's the few people that are there's always going to be a percentage that are homophobic but predominantly Ireland is a very accepting country of everyone and but belong to pushes this narrative in schools in the government um and in their youth groups that the world is against gay people gay or trans identified people and that they are that they're the ones that will protect you um they this then can be seen with the hate crime legislation several of the senators during the debates um when it went to our shannon even if they were even one of the the um senators who spoke about it who is from a protected characteristic group within the the hate the hate bill hate crime bill they she is from the traveling community, but her focus for her 13 minute speech was how it's so difficult for trans identified males to walk down the street. That is simply not true. But her focus was not on her own experience as a, a woman from the traveling community. Um, it was about LGBTQ focus on trans trans women and how difficult it is in Ireland uh, for trans women. And then several of the senators just using LGBTQ to push through legislation that will prevent us from being able to actually state same-sex attraction or, you know, that we want our own spaces as women and girls and belong to had a huge part to play in that. Um, they're also using the the gay rights narrative to push for surrogacy legislation and it's coming in through quickly as well they're trying to get that through um it's not looking like it will be by by christmas now just at this late stage in the year but they are trying to push it as this gay rights um issue which not all gays the group we don't believe that it's a gay rights issue we don't believe that sir you just because you are gay you are entitled to um, use use a surrogate and exploit a woman's body just because you're gay. Um, but then let me just see. While we were in belong to just to note the the rate of people who were who were identifying as non-binary or trans within the the umbrella of trans. I'll just say um, there was. 16 people that I, I knew of that were trans or non-binary, two of the Not All Gays members included in that. Um, of that 16, only three still identify as trans, um, trans or non-binary. So that's an 81% desisted, desisting rate. Thankfully, the, the ones that did desist did not end up taking hormones because they were put on waiting lists 
some some of them did go on waiting lists to get hormones at at 15 16 years old and thankfully because the waiting list was long and they had to go through a few hoops they they didn't end up getting on hormones or going down a path of medicalization and desisted before that um belong to antenny both say that no one desists no one detransitions it's a tiny minority it doesn't need to be discussed that's the narrative that they are giving the government and schools that you have to affirm and because why would you because no one regrets it which is obviously a lie from our own experience and we know now from from seeing all of the detransitioners coming out and speaking against it such as Richie um and Chloe Cole, Prisha, there's there's lots of detransitioners now speaking out against it. Um, but the the people who are consulted by our government when making decisions surrounding children and specifically gay or trans identified trans identified children that um it's belonged to that's consulted and they tell our government that no one desists, um, that no one regrets it and we absolutely have to affirm that we have to bring in uh, self-ID for younger people and to be able to give them gender affirming care. Um, that's that's another thing that they are pushing for now is gender affirming care for teenagers it, within Ireland previously up until about a month ago, belong to still had on their website that they would you can go to the Tavistock, which we know has been has had a closure order since July of 2022. Um, but belong to was referring people to the Tavistock, as was Tenny. Um, belong to also claims that they do not promote the use of binders, although up until again a month ago, they they had a link on their page, on their advice page on how to bind and with links on where to purchase binders. So which if if you go onto our Twitter, we we will share the the archive links to show this information. So it and everything about belong to we we've kind of discussed it a lot. The members who the members of Not All Gays who who were attendees and are speaking out against it. Um, the hate crime legislation, obviously, hate is not defined, so it's up to an individual's interpretation. The We've seen with similar hate crime legislation, um, in such as in Norway, Christina Ellingson, and I, I'm not sure how to pronounce her name, Tanji, um, they, they were both um, under criminal investigation for tweets that they put out um and statements that they made that men cannot be lesbians and so we have the same situation where if hate is not defined if we say no lesbians do not have sexual relationship relationships with trans identified males uh someone might see that as hateful and we've already been called hate i've already been called hateful and phobic for saying that so then the Gardaí have the power then to come and seize all of your devices. If you refuse to provide your password or your devices, you face jail jail time for that. I believe it's up to 12 months 
if you are found guilty on that. And then if hate hate material, which can include tweets, memes, conversations um, that you've had private conversations, and even even if you have music that is deemed hateful of one of the protected characteristics, sex is not included in the characteristics, gender is, um, that if you have any of this hate material on any of your devices, um, you are facing up to three years in prison. And again, belong to Antenny are pushing for this, as is the National Women's Council, on the basis that it's protecting specifically gay people or LGBTQ people. And that that's why we formed the group mostly is because of this hate, hate speech legislation, because we have hate crime legislation, everything everything that would be an actual crime, such as assault, criminal damage, you know, harassment, would are already criminal offences and any hate element would be taken into consideration in a sen- in sentencing such a crime. It would, you know, get provided for a harsher sentence if there was a hate element to it. Any of the Irish people watching, the, we do have on our website templates to write uh, templates that you can send to the, the government about the hate crime legislation and how it actually will not benefit LGB people whatsoever. Um, so if you want to go to our website, you can use, there's one for LGB people and then there's for non-LGB people uh, to, we have two separate templates if you want to use that to send because they're trying to get that in before the new year. What's happened to the church? Because there were so many scandals. i sort of getting the feeling nobody went to church anymore, but do people still <laughs> go along to the church? And what's the church think about all this? Um, so for anyone who doesn't know, the Catholic church was basically, had a lot of influence in our, in our government previously. And then through all of the scandals, uh, with child child sexual abuse cases and various other issues the magdalene laundries included mother and baby homes uh people this is my my perception of it that people have tried so hard to pull away from the catholic church um to go no we don't want anything to do with this anymore we want to be we want to stay away from that and the policies that they had kind of influenced that now they've gone so far that it's gone to this without even realizing that it's just handing over to another ideological institution. Um, I think it was trying so hard to get kind of not, you know, gay rights and I don't, I don't even know how to phrase it, just the opposite of what the church would have done. Uh, that they don't even realize it's actually rolling back rights for gays and women and girls, particularly, obviously, um, that they can't see that it's another ideology, that they just want to be as far away from Catholic government policy as possible. Um, um, but it's, yeah, it's, we have, it's just a new church. It's just a new Catholic church, just. Yeah. Well, th- thank you so much. I'm just going to check because it looks as if we've got a couple of questions. Yep. Um, 
We've got a question from Paula, which says, Anik, in the States, more parents are homeschooling due to this issue. Is there any evidence of a push towards this in Ireland? I'm not sure if people are are actually homeschooling, but I know that a lot of people, a lot of parents are concerned about sending their kids to school, especially with belong to coming into schools. Um, I know that a lot of mothers who are feminists and that I I know just from being involved in feminist feminism over here um that when belong to is going to be in schools they do pull their children out those days or the week when they know that this kind of ideology gender ideology is going to be brought into the school or discussed in school they will take their kids out of school um which isn't fair to the child they're losing out on time with their friends socializing and and their education in general just because they are so concerned about that that their kids will get captured by this ideology and that they're not being taught fact-based reality. We're going to now go to Cathy Larkman, who is from Wales. I'm going to add the spotlight. So um, uh, Cathy is the coordinator of Women's Rights Network, um, a position she's held since the inception of this increasingly influential grassroots network of women. She is a former police superintendent, has championed issues affecting women and girls, and was a founder member of the South Wales Female Police Association, being named as one of the most influential female officers in the South Wales Police, breaking the glass ceiling event. Title for Cathy's talk today is the Gender Quotas Bill Self-ID by the back door in Wales. Thank you so much, Cathy, and over to you. It's just really important, really, that we get the message of what's happening in Wales across to as wide an audience as possible. Um, we're a small nation, and a lot of what's been happening here, you know, has gone um, below the radar, really. It, it's a really familiar story, I think, um, to everybody that I'm sort of going to relate now. I'll try and be economical with the time, obviously, because of, you know, a lot of the fantastic information that's gone on before this. But we're certainly really encouraged by the news from our sisters up in Scotland, really, and the, the fight um, that they've had there as well, and how inspirational that is down to us, uh, down with us here in Wales, really. We've got a similar fight on at the moment. Um, that familiar story is the Welsh Government um, trying to change the very definition of women and attack our sex-based rights. And they've been trying to do this recently on the back of what's called a um, gender quotas bill. And the title of that has actually changed recently. And I'll sort of tell you the story of that. So we have a devolved government in Wales, for those of you who aren't familiar. I know there's a lot of my Welsh sisters in this talk um, in the audience today. Um, and that government won't listen to the women of Wales. Unfortunately, they are so assured of their hold on power that they can afford to show complete contempt for 51% of the population. And despite seeing what's happened in Scotland, they've decided to progress self-ID in Wales. Um, it's a small government who want to display their progressiveness, or what they call their progressiveness, and have been prone to capture by ideology really and a small group of special advisors and lobby groups influencing them. You know another problem that we've had really sort of attached to that is drawing the attention of the rest of the UK and further afield to that because our own Welsh media until very recently 
um, have looked the other way really and ignored this issue. And we've then had the challenge really of engaging national media on this as well, you know, when there's so much else going on. So, you know, Welsh women and Welsh women's groups have had to galvanise, organise and try and disrupt the plans of Welsh government, you know, in a sort of, in an atmosphere where Welsh government have, you know, been employing the usual tricks really in terms of trying to shut us down and discredit us. So um, in terms of their sort of plans for self-ID, they've recently attempted to do this or their first steps to doing this via the back, via the back door um, by way of a very a classic Denton strategy move by tagging on um, the first steps of self-ID to other more popular legislation. So the legislation was a bill that purported to improve the representation of women in political life. Um, which I refer to as the Gender Quotas Bill and in draft form originally was referred to by that name. But more lately, it's um, formally known as the Senedd Cymru Electoral Candidates Lists Bill. Um, so we knew on the back of this from conversations in the corridors of power, etc., that the intention of Welsh Government was to fully introduce self-ID in Wales sometime in 2026, perhaps backed then by a change of government who would you know, empower them to do it. But unfortunately for Welsh government, there have been a number of obstacles in the, to their plans. We've had a devolved administration here in Wales since 1999, when the National Assembly of Wales met for the first time. And Welsh government sits um, at the seat of Welsh government, which is the Senedd. It's important to state really that Welsh Labour hold power in Wales and have done so since the inception of the administration in Wales. They're totally assured of their power base here. They're very comfortably in power. The last Senate elections were in 2021 um, and re-elections in 26, by which time our First Minister, Mark Drakeford, you know, will apparently have stepped down from political life too. But in the meantime, he's really busy ensuring he has um, a legacy to hand on. In terms of the Senedd, the Welsh Parliament, there are 60 members of the Senedd, 40 of which serve constituencies and 20 are regional representatives. And 30 of those are from Welsh Labour. So that equals his best ever election result, but also means that they don't have an outright majority and as a result, have a cooperation agreement with the Nationalist Party, Plaid Cymru, um, and they have a shared um, programme of work. Plaid Cymru are important in this because they share these same objectives and goals of Welsh Labour, unfortunately, and are aiding and abetting them in this sort of programme of work and the whole sort of self-ID thing. So one of the statements made by Welsh Government at the end of the published uh, cooperation agreement was, and I'm just going to quote here, to make Wales the most LGBTQ plus friendly nation in Europe and support the publication of the LGBTQ plus action plan. And they also said that they intended to, quoting again, call for the powers to legislate to improve the lives and protect the safety of trans people in Wales to be devolved. So this has led to them introducing um, their LGBTQ plus plan for Wales. And it's, it's not going to surprise anybody to know that, you know, 
I think Merched Cymru, another uh, Welsh women's organisation, actually did an audit of that plan in draft form and in final form. You know, the LGBTQ plus plan hardly ever mentions the word lesbian. Um, there's a few mentions of the word um, gay throughout it. There are, you know, rafts of mentions <laughs> of the T throughout this and the Q, etc. You know, it, it's really what you sort of expect to see. But part of that LGBTQ plus plan is, um, you know, various different things that Welsh Government want to see in place or have put in place. One of those is a relationship and sexuality code for schools, which is hugely influenced by queer theorists, and that's mandatory in Wales uh, right now. So the Gender Quotas Bill was originally meant to form part of a wider Senedd Reform Bill, which would, amongst other things, increase the size of the Senedd from the current 60 members to 96 members. But um, there were concerns for a number of years, albeit Welsh Government will play these down and say that they were finely balanced and they weren't finely balanced. Um, but there were concerns that they had, whether they had the legislative competence to do this because equalities legislation is um, a reserved matter in the United Kingdom, as Scotland have found out recently. Well done, Scotland. And the worry that the whole Senate reform package would fail if it was legally challenged. Therefore, they separated out the gender quotas part of this. And within Welsh Government, they've had a small team working full time on that gender quotas bill as well. So there's been a huge amount of officer time spent on this over the last few years and a lot of sort of Welsh public money spent on this as well. So given the legal situation, you might be thinking why on earth Welsh Government would press on regardless. regardless. Well, we know the conversations that are taking place is that they were banking on no one having either the will to challenge this legally, nor the, you know, the financial resources at a time of, you know, increased financial demand to challenge that and take it all the way. And um, uh, that seems extraordinary to say so, but that was their thinking. And, it, and it's, it's very much linked in with a small government surrounded by a small group of special advisors, influenced by a number of lobby groups who are absolutely certain of holding power and being very arrogant in that power base as well. It's not going to surprise any of you now if I mention the influence of Stonewall at this point and other organisations on Welsh government. You know, our government are one of the major contributors in the UK to Stonewall. You know, one of the, you know, the top, I think it's a one of, certainly one of the top five contributors to Stonewall sort of um, funds from external organisations. And you also have to bear in mind that any requests that women's groups have made to meet with Welsh Government ministers have been totally ignored or swerved. In 2022, I attended um, you know, a publicly ticketed event um, at a constituency Labour Party meeting, and I went with uh, Lisa Marie Taylor from Philia, uh, where Lisa stood up and asked a question about um, trying to get Welsh Government to commit to meet with those concerned women's groups, and I recorded Lisa Marie at that meeting, so they couldn't deny that it had happened. Mark Drakeford, our first minister, was there at that meeting and his minister, uh, Julie James, in front of Mark Drakeford, in front of everybody else and recorded by myself, gave a public commitment that she would meet with those women's groups, we were all named, 
and you know to reassure us and to have dialogue with us about our concerns about the direction of Welsh Government. Despite that, despite a raft of emails from all, all those organisations since, all you know that that hasn't happened. You know we've been totally ignored and we've been you know dismissed at every opportunity. And you know and there's countless other examples of this. You know loads of women's groups joined a meeting um, held by the Labour LGBTQ group, with, at which Hannah Blithin, um, one of the deputy ministers who's in, you know responsible for introducing the gender quotas bill, uh, was present. One by one, every single woman taking part in that meeting as she asked a relevant and courteous question in relation to the direction of Welsh Government and their consultation with concerned uh, women's and LGB groups was removed from that meeting for having the temerity to ask any question at all. Welsh Government only listened to women's groups who basically parrot the agreed line and those women's groups who won't surprise you to know you know do receive funding from Welsh government as well so it, it, it's all sort of very very much linked okay so I've told you Plaid Cymru the Nationalist Party are fully on board with this as well the position of um, Welsh government and they'll repeat it openly on the floors of the Senate is that trans women are women trans men are men and non-binary identities are valid that mantra gets repeated several times you know on the floor of the Senate and is quoted to us in written responses as well and forms part of the LGBTQ plus plan Hannah Blithin, the Deputy Minister for Social Partnerships, um, says, I'm going to quote her again now so you just get a flavour of it. 40 years ago, gay and bisexual people were subject to hateful slurs and prejudice attacks. Trans people today are being subjected to a similar barrage of hate-fuelled debates. We believe extending rights for one group does not mean eroding rights from another. We do not believe improving rights for trans women will damage rights for cisgender women and girls. Our trans communities are hurting, they're afraid, and they're experiencing harm. As a society, we can and much do, must do better than this. Um, so that's their position. So um, we had information from the Women's Rights Network, because I'm actually the Wales coordinator of the Women's Rights Network, but one of the early uh, WRN coordinators overall. So we had information in early October, a gender quotas bill was going to come out for publication and the Women's Rights Network leaked that bill in late October. We made the decision just to go um, public with it and get it out there, really. Features of that bill um, included uh, that a list of candidates for future elections must be at least 50% women but included a definition of women um, that basically stated that it means any person who is proposing to undergo, is undergoing or has undergone a process or part of a process for the purpose of reassigning their sex to female by changing physiological or other attributes of sex. Um, so you, you get the gist from that really that they were seeking a redefinition of women. The leak draft also included the fact that um, Welsh government was, were including within that an ability that they could amend the definition of woman at any time and that no presiding officer in any electoral process could make any objection to anyone's declaration that they were in fact a woman. So a 
bill was supposed to allegedly improve the representation of women in political life and ensure at least 50% of candidates on lists were women, might end up with 100% of candidates on that list actually being male, which is completely crazy, isn't it? So as I said, we leaked that. And, you know, and some good news from this in that we had great coverage across national media generally, and we broke through um, Welsh media as well, who had been largely silenced on this as well. Um, Welsh government chose not to quote other than to state they were still working on the bill. And interestingly, in the last few days, it was listed on the, ag the agenda for publication by Welsh government in a plenary meeting under its new name. But in a sort of unprecedented turn of events, prior to the journalists briefing um, about that, it was cancelled from it. So that that's led to sort of a lot of speculation as to what's actually happened. And um, we've found out possibly what actually ha happened. And I'll just come on to that now really shortly. I am conscious of the time. But I just wanted to tell you um, some Kathy, of the... Kathy, there's no problem with the time. There's no problem with the time because we can carry on a little bit longer. Okay, so just good. use right. yes, tell us everything because it's fantastic what you're saying. Okay. Um, okay. So as I said, this is unprecedented for a bill to be to go onto the agenda, but should be suddenly pulled there at the last minute. You know, and you know, journalists did sit up and notice this and found it really, really unusual as well. When we actually sort of when we actually leaked the bill, um, we had a, you know there was a response in the media from lobby groups, and the one of the trustees of Pride Cymru um, defended the right of um, what she referred to as trans women to stand for election as their authentic selves. And interestingly said, there has never been an openly transgender person elected to our national parliament and, and it is a glass ceiling that needs smashing. Well, I don't know how anybody else feels about this, but I don't think there's any glass, glass ceilings within political life that need smashing for men to be represented. So it just seemed an extraordinary statement, but it's totally in line really with the thinking of um, the individual and the organisation forward. And um, Stonewall Cymru uh, claimed not to have seen the draft bill, but um, were supportive of it, which, which would come as no surprise for to anybody at all. And in fact, said that they thought it was unfortunate and concerning um, that the bill was leaked and mischaracterised to further perpetuate a negative narrative against the trans community. So all these organisations are within Wales are totally concerned with, um, you know, the T and the Q. They're not concerned with the LGB at all. So why has the bill been pulled? I, I mean, I don't think it's been pulled indefinitely. I think this is a pause rather than a complete cessation, I have to say. And there's been different theories on why the bill has been pulled. But interestingly, there has been an article within a Welsh um, media outlet today, which confirms our suspicions, really, and claims to have had this information from a highly placed political source at um, Welsh government. So the presiding officer of the Senate is called the Llewef. Um, Eileen Jones, um, her party politics are the Welsh Nationalist Party Plaid Cymru. 
and the Llywydd is required on publication of a new bill to make a statement that she accepts that Welsh Government have the legislative competence to bring it in. Um, extraordinarily, really, for a bill that's been developed, you know, and people have been working on it for a number of years, it doesn't look as though Welsh Government were, have actually um, perhaps had discussions with the Llywydd about whether she was going to, in fact, support that bill before they put it on the agenda. But her role is to protect the reputation of the Senate. And um, the news, the recent media report has made it clear that she has um, li potentially listened to her own legal advisors and declined to announce that bill. And that's why that's been pulled from that agenda meeting. So the presiding officer, the Flower, does not feel that Welsh Government have the legal competence, allegedly, to bring this bill in and as, as a result of which has refused to announce it and that's what's caused it to be pulled. I also think that the enormous stink that's been created by Welsh women and the various groups that are fighting both the gender quotas bill and you know the, the full sort of self-ID picture that uh, Welsh government are going for, which include obviously the Women's Rights Network plus you know our sister groups Merched Cymru, Get the L Out, Outspoken Women, you know, the various resistors groups and LGB allies, uh, Cymru and Labour Women's Declaration, during which we made it really, really clear that those feelings that there wouldn't be a legal challenge, we, we negated those and made it very, very clear that we were ready to mount a legal challenge to that bill the moment they published it. Um, so, you know, you know, strong fighting talk, but with backup as well. And we think that enormous stink as possibly, we hope, meant that the presiding officer, the Llawer, has really taken those legal responsibilities and that legislative competence issue very, very seriously. So if that hadn't happened before, you know, she has sat up and thought, I am possibly going to have to explain this issue in court and why I sort of, you know, allowed this bill to be published. So um, basically, you know, careers and political integrity then are probably on the line, aren't they really? And, you know, thankfully, we hope somebody has taken that seriously. So that's the position at the moment with the gender quotas bill. Will it be back? Unfortunately, I suspect it will be back. I think Welsh Government, if they don't work on it and reword it and bring it back soon and potentially work on the Llywydd and the legal advice, etc., then they may play a slightly longer game and wait for a change in UK government. And, you know, and if there's a change and there's a UK Labour government, they may bank on um, that government not wanting a confrontation with a very safe Welsh Labour government in place and approach UK Labour then for a devolution of equalities power so that they don't end up in the courts in the same way um, or in the trouble in the same way that sort of Scottish government did. You know, that, that is a real possibility for what may happen and a real concern. So the influence of um, the UK political parties is really important for us here in Wales, really in terms of the direction of travel this takes. You know, will UK Labour want a confrontation with Welsh Labour? You know, so it, 
it's important for us in terms of moving forward, really, that we keep that spotlight on uh, the Welsh Government, not just Labour in terms of the ruling party here, but Plaid Cymru as well, who have now had, you know, within the last few months, have had a new leader um, who we don't know what his position is, but his predecessor, Adam Price, was, you know, totally up to his neck, really, in gender ideology and completely supportive of it. So there's a lot of work going on to try and influence the other parties as well um, within Welsh Government and specifically Plaid Cymru. And definitely the national situation is hugely, hugely important of us. You know, it, it undoubtedly, um, they're going to follow the lead of Scottish Government and try and sell this line as an attack on um, their own devolved powers and the authority of Wales, etc. We are already seeing that narrative played out sort of loud and clear. And in the meantime, it has to, has to be said that for the last few years, you know, a soft version of self-ID has been operating in Wales, you know, and all those organisations that are linked to Welsh government via, you know, funding um, in part um, are capitulating by changing internal policies and processes, really, um, you know, and, and, and operating a system of self-ID. There are no uh, domestic violence services, rape crisis services in Wales that, um, that operate a sort of sex-based a clear sex-based service. You know, when you dig into all their policies, um, they're they're all accepting sort of self-identification, which is really, really concerning. So we have huge amounts of battles here in Wales, but we have got some excellent women's groups. And the you know the, the best thing for us really here is as much spotlight as possible, really, from everybody, you know, to ensure that this is forced out into the sunlight really and receives attention because Welsh Government have been very much operating under the radar, you know, and being arrogant and complacent that they can do this without any sort of scrutiny. So them being subject to, subjected to scrutiny on this has been really, really uncomfortable and we need to keep that going. But um, in a nutshell, Welsh women and Welsh women's groups and LGB groups are, you know, are fighting this hard now and we'll continue fighting it. So. Thank you very much, Diolch and Fowl. Where do we now, we stand now, further to Scottish legal judgment this week, confirming validity of Section 35 procedure taking, taken by the UK government, which I think you sort of mentioned, but if you could answer that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Welsh government are in a really sticky wicket in relation to that. And, you know, we have been, you know, we've been drawing their attention not only to that, but the sort of judgment in relation to the representation on public boards, um, stuff that happened in Scotland as well. You know, they've just been ignoring it, really. They, you know, they've been in... I can't say they've been in blissful ignorance. They've just been ignoring it. And the this, the legislative situation in terms of devolution, you know, Wales are on even more tricky ground than Scotland, really, in terms of doing this. You know, I'm no constitutional expert by a long shot, so I won't, you know, talk through the Government of Wales Act or anything like that. But... Suffice to say, Welsh Government are in even more tricky waters with regards to that. But the announcement um, yesterday, really, in terms of the Section 35 um, arrangements, etc., with Scotland, I would hope that that's landed really hard in Welsh Government. But but who knows? And um, Who knows? You know, they've been very much characterised by a willingness to just ignore this and hope that they can just push it through under the radar. 
And I think they bank in as well on, you know, UK Labour eventually not having the will to challenge them. It's just extraordinary, really, that it's that it's happened. But if you bear in mind they had they've had clear legal advice that they didn't have the they, there was high risk they didn't have the legislative competence to do this anyway, and they've had that legal advice at least for a few years, and they've still done it. It gives you sense really of how arrogant and how complacent Welsh government actually are, you know, and we can't afford to take our eyes off the ball in relation to that or feel comfortable that they'll take any notice of what's happened in Scotland because they haven't so far.